Welcome to episode three of the Free Flow podcast with Kamina and Kira. And today we will be talking about connection, social distancing, social divide, the blame game, and many other aspects that we are currently working through in the current paradigm. Kamina, how are you this evening? I'm really fabulous. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? It has. I feel like the pace has picked up. I mean, for myself personally and a lot of people around, it feels like from that really quiet space, suddenly there's a lot of change um, arising and a lot of shifts inner and um, outer sort of taking place. How have you uh, been feeling into it? Yeah, I'm feeling all of that. I'm seeing people buying cars, moving house, moving cities, breaking up relationships, just lots and lots of change going on. And I love it. It feels like it feels like the right time to make the change, you know. Um, So so you know, it's going to be the right change if, if if it just if it's coming from deep with inside. Absolutely. And I think everyone's had this um, space to really think into things and feel into things. And um, it's that that aspect of the realignment process where um, it's not, I mean, there are definitely some major changes, but it's also all of those little minor changes um, are coming into play. And sometimes they actually do become the major ones. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily for everyone a complete starting over in every area um it's just little little side steps sometimes or you know um mild sort of um shifts and changes that are that are bringing them to where they need to be and um it feels like depends on what the person needs isn't it yeah yeah and it, it sort of feels like we're in the calm and we're coming back into you know, not chaos, but definitely there's a lot more movement happening um, at this point of time. Kind of feels exciting, doesn't it? It does. It absolutely does. Um, I think that when we're given a bit of time to reflect, we often get insights that we wouldn't usually get. And to me, the whole space that we've been going through has been like almost a forced meditation for humankind. Um, You know, everyone's been really, really made to sit down and focus inwards on what's happening and um, being able to see things that that weren't necessarily clear before has, has made it easier to work towards the things that sit deepest in our heart that are, are really calling us. Or just make little changes that need to be made. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I feel like it's, um, you know, a lot of people have hit that point of, I can't do this anymore. I just, they just want to put their Christmas tree up and call it a year. Because- <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Oh, my goodness. Did we miss the date because it's July? But should we have done that on June 30th? Just put the tree up. <laughs> maybe (laughs) but I think this change has come from that because there was all this angst inside people it's like I just can't sit in this anymore I need to make things happen I need change and and because you know and it's not like the external world you know we had all that racism stuff going on and it's like people were like I I don't want to live in this world like this anymore so it's people are starting to make all those inner changes in their own lives which is beautiful because when you look in inwards and see how what you're doing is impacting the world then you you're not looking outside and, and blaming the whole world like this person's doing this and that person's doing that and and so therefore I can't do anything um, you know we're actually go we're doing that whole you know that whole Gandhi thing of looking inward to see how we act so we can change ourselves to change the world and the funny thing that I know is nothing that is being noticed is actually new it's like the whole racial rights this has been going on for like such a long time and people have been looking away it's um like for me, that's one of the biggest parts about this is that n- nothing that's coming up now is 
really news. Um, you know, there's been books and movies and all of these really strong indicators that these issues exist for a long time, but it's more like a boiling point or a, or a melting pot of all of the energies across time that are now coming, you know, into like an alchemy of their own sort and shifting into that higher energy. And people are starting to say, oh, actually, you know what? Like we've always known there's all of these issues going on, but oh, we're not okay with that, but we're we're going to voice it. We're going to speak it. And I think that probably comes from empowerment in some ways um, and having a voice and also having some time to to see and really um, see clearly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. People are starting to find their voice. And do you know what? I'm going to... Why I think that is partly happening is because I think last week I, we spoke about, you know, what, what people released a lot of fear and then they released a lot of anger. So it's released some of this, you know, deep trauma within us. It's freed us from it. So now we're in a space that we're not so pushed down by that and held down that we can find our voice and because everybody else is finding their voice too, that's really inspiring in itself too. Um, so, you know, we're going, right, well, what do I want? And because, like you said, we've had the space to go, well, what do I want? And now it's like, okay, well, let's do this. I'm, I'm going to use my voice to, to make what I want happen. And Yeah. Yeah, and, and probably a lot of the learned helplessness Um is really coming to the surface as well because I think a big part of the human condition as we know it is that really deeply ingrained um, learned helplessness and and sort of being yes people. We're just, we're born into a world where with, you know, no free will, I guess, of our own. We, we have all of these, um, you know, conditions and regulations put on how we need to live our life. And absolutely, with any societal structure, it's it's really important to have guidelines and safeguards. Um, but at the same time, when we're pushed into a world and, and birthed into a life where we are just told, this is this, that is that, 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 and then you die, there's absolutely a, a huge capacity for that really deep um, helplessness and not feeling that we have any power in our own lives in a wider sense. So I think that, um, and, and that's why people look away and that's why people don't talk about things because that learned helplessness has been so deeply ingrained. And when we see other people who are change makers or who have the courage to stand up and actually shift something forward, it it releases some of that inner help, helplessness and, and brings us to empowerment. And we've seen so much of this exploding everywhere at the moment, but I think it's had a massive effect on on everyone. What what do you think? Absolutely. I think, you know, it's also what we're, I mean, it's just, it is that helplessness, but it's also what we're seeing in the world where constantly bombarded with these ideas of how we of, of the world that we, we actually start to stop noticing it like if we have a look at um you know billboards it's full of young women who are looking way too sexy for their age um you know we're seeing like in 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 india or wherever you know it's part of the culture to sell off their kids for marriage um Mm, the youth obsession and I, i worked in cosmetics for a long time kamina and you know i've seen a lot of a lot of that the beauty industry being obsessed with an unattainable image of beauty um or even a really dangerous um ideal of beauty because it's not really healthy when the role models of our society are 12-year-old girls. Yeah, I can't live up to that. <laughs> well, we have been that girl. We've all been that girl. And I think for me, myself, 
I know at age 12 how I was thinking, how I was feeling, what I was aware of and what I wasn't. And um, to be fair, I wouldn't put myself or any 12-year-old girl um, up there as as a, a role model because the the development just hasn't taken place. And in this youth-obsessed culture that we have, we've not only lost the wisdom of elders of both genders, um, but we've actually really, we're obsessing over something that's, yeah, it's, it's quite sort of... Um, we're looking at the image. We're not looking at, like, if when these 12-year-olds aren't necessarily role models. Their image is a role model, but we're not listening or, or, or getting really connected with the person deeply. You know, if that was happening, then we would be listening to our elders and our wisdom keepers, you know, mm. the image... Mm be so significant and and I you know and I'm I find this a, a massive issue because in my practice one of the biggest issues I I come across is um sexual abuse and it, yeah. it's yeah. big and it's so not talked about yeah um, and and I think, you know, like we're hearing lots of talk about pedophilia, but I want to bring it back to ourselves and, the, and our culture and let's have a look at ourselves and how it's actually quite rampant through our society. Um, you know, yeah. people that we should trust. Yeah, look, that's a huge one. And I think we've, um, we've basically normalised that sort of culture and... To be fair, um, I would say one of my gifts in this world is is the recognition of beauty, and I I can you know I can look at a thousand people and think you have that lovely external beauty, you have that beauty in a laughter in your eyes, you have that beauty in a warmth of your heart, you have that beauty in a wisdom of your skills, and there are so many different types of beauty, and um, I think the beauty that we're sold isn't necessarily the healthiest um, representation of of what we really need to be seeing as beauty. And when that happens and there's an obsession over that, we have to start asking ourselves, who is it that's obsessing over that type of beauty? Um, especially in markets that are apparently aimed at women, we would really need to, to look a little bit more deeply and think, um, yeah, why, why are these supposed to people and, and who is it that's really fantasising over that image of beauty? And that opens up a lot more questions that I think society on a larger scale is really um, starting to understand at the moment. Absolutely. And I think there's this really fine line between sexuality and sexual essence. And mm, I think where the confusion is lying, it's like objectification or sexuality you know is creating this objectification whereas mm. sexual essence is a bit more spiritual it's that kundalini aspect it's that the essence of who we are which involves our sexual sexuality but but not in that objectification mm. aspect. so yeah. it's such a fine line and i think the more we can delve into our spiritual self we can actually see the difference yeah and I mean again I'll, I'll go back to sort of being in that industry for some time um you know I've worked with some of the most incredibly beautiful women um I was a makeup artist for some time and you know I worked with um you know absolutely stunning models and a lot of women who gravitate towards beauty and cosmetics and makeup and fashion they are naturally beautiful anyway. Um, but the thing I found is there's a very, very, very high um, percentage of, of deeply traumatised, highly damaged um, women in those industries. And um, that can be seen from, you know, from sort of go to, to the end um, because of the, the psyches of the women are, are quite... Um, yeah, I think damaged is probably the best way um, that I would put it. And when you have women who are prepared to spend um, $4,000 um, on, on a cream 
to to reach that eternal beauty, you really start asking yourself um, what beauty means and what the concept of beauty is. And I think I'm really grateful that I had time to to work with all of those different energies because it gave me a lot of time to reflect on on what beauty is and why we have the industry that we have um, in this day and age. Yeah, that's a really great insight. I really like that. And um, I kind of want to, you know, take it that step further in how do we move away from this objectification kind of place that we're sitting in. Um, you know, how do we get back our power? How do we, where are we going? What's, you know, um, and, and part of me feels like, um, you know, connection is, is with others has been so minimal, like that, um, you know, what ended up taking over was power and control. Lots of people were trying to control their lives because that was trying, that was giving this just them some sense of security. Um, and so, it's a belief that if if we sorry, you go ahead. I was just going to say maybe it's that belief that if we can control the outer, that we're controlling the inner, but it's actually really the other way around it's like there are people who think if I can make my lips bigger or have plumper skin or you know that they're controlling their world and their inner and it's actually really it doesn't really work like that I wish it did I wish it did work like that um and there's an element of the outer influencing the inner but it doesn't it doesn't make up for it like a everything amazing um that you can do to yourself on the outer to control your circumstances and to, yeah, have control over how you interact with the world is is basically devoid of any real heart or feeling if there's nothing inside aligning with that beauty. Absolutely. And, and do you know what I think it takes in order to move beyond power and control and to move to a this place where we feel really connected with other people and the world i think what it takes is something that terrifies people i think it scares the shit out of people i think that's vulnerability yeah yes one of my favorite topics um because it's it's hard to be seen i mean i know for me um it's a lot easier for me to be seen when I've done my hair and I've put on an outfit that matches and, you know, I do like to do the girly things, I like to do my nails and, my, you know, have my brows looking nice. And I know that some part of me much prefers to run into someone when I have that mask on than when I have it off because... When I have it off, I feel more vulnerable because I haven't constructed those little elements of my world. And I think, um, you but know... Part of that has been created. Our, our fear of vulnerability is because so many people have trauma. They're walking around as big, giant bags of trauma. Mm. You know, from sexual abuse, physical abuse, I was going to say, it sort of feeds into the other, doesn't it? It's one of those really, really big ones. That it, um, yeah, absolutely agree with that. So really, the only way that I can see to move forward from this blaming place that we're, and, and, and eye for an eye place that we seem to be in right now is to take a long, hard look at ourselves and our do our inner work. Otherwise, we're just going to keep doing the same cycle over and over of blame and, mm -hmm. and power and control and, um, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and we need to move to that place of vulnerability and we can't... Allowing like, ourselves to be seen. Hello. Exactly. Inside, not just the outside. Yeah. And, I mean, I spoke to you um, a little earlier in the week about someone who I, you know... Definitely have had um, some time and respect for being one of the latest on the, um, you know, 
um, them to list. And it was more saddening because I felt this person brought a lot of really beautiful gifts into the world. And um, in in this person's, uh, you know, defence, I guess you can say, someone came out and, and did a really great um, great post. Just great. I think that was a little bit vague. Can you give a little bit more detail? I'm just not quite sure what you're talking about. Okay, um, we might pause and go back. Um, oh, okay, so let's just, um, okay, so I'm just going to write around 33 to 35. Um, okay, um, yeah, so something that I, I had come up that I think we discussed a little earlier in the week um, was you know, an, an artist that um, I, you know, have a lot of time and respect for being one of the latest on that list of people who probably isn't treating people as well as they could be. And that came with a little bit of sadness to me because I felt that person brought some really incredible gifts into the world. And um, during that space of it all sort of coming to light, and I mean, it's been coming to light for some time, but you know, when things really come, you know, right out into the light. Um, someone someone had some really valid points um, on social media just about blaming and shaming and at what point do we start learning and at what point do we, um, you know, I guess allow people to, to, to sort of admit they've made a mistake and make a change and that's a really big one when there have been victims and people suffering but at the same time each time we cut down people who are causing issues that cause traumas we then create a sort of us and them and it plays into the trauma and the fear and the heartache um, because there's no space for healing in that and I think we always must obviously firstly side with, with victims of trauma and, and help them and and ensure that they're able to to work through what they're going through and that they're fully supported in that process. But I also think it's really important to, where possible, um, allow people to own the fact that they've made mistakes and hurt others and if 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 it's feasible support them as well so it stops happening yeah just just while you were saying that i just thought of a little exercise that i really think our listeners should try i um i just think maybe list 10 things the biggest traumas that you've experienced in your life and maybe list you know 10 things that, that you feel shamed of or guilty or whatever that you've done to other people and yeah. really own them, face them, you know, don't hide from them anymore so you can release them. I would say that if it's a deep trauma, that might be something as well, as you know, that's best done with the support of someone else. Um, but just beginning to name and acknowledge um, what's going on with that is is huge. and. It also really shows us the pattern um, of not always being the victim. Like if you speak to anyone who's in the victim pattern, um, they're not always the victim. They have also often been the person um, not just on the receiving end but on the on the giving end of doing the wrong things. And some people definitely fall more into one role or the other role. Um, but you would be very... Um, it would be a very hard thing to, to show any person on this earth who hasn't had their own fair amount of um, wrongdoing. And I guess it goes back to that sinner theory, which I don't really resonate with, and I'm sure you can understand that. But we're all human. We're all human and we've all made mistakes. It's just with some of the people on the worldwide, uh, you know, scale at the moment who are making some really huge mistakes that are making um, just a huge amount of trauma unfold. I think it's really important that they own what, what's happening. 
Absolutely. Sorry. Mm. I was just, while you were saying it, I just felt we just need to love ourselves more. I just think there was mm. so much lack of love for us. If we could love ourselves, then we can learn to love other people, even, even when they've made ginormous mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, before... Um you know, it's one of those situations that, um, you know, if you're sitting with a victim of, of really horrific abuses, you're absolutely going to, to, to tend to their healing first before even thinking about working through, um, you know, the issues of, of the person who caused that abuse. But having said that, it is often cyclic, um, and I think that the, the secret and the shame of abuse, to me, this is how it happens. Um, someone abuses someone, usually that person's older, not always, but, but often. And it's often a friend, a parent, someone, someone close to the person who is often smaller or, or less powerful. That person has to keep it uh, quiet. And so or they feel too ashamed to speak about it. So the person doing the abuse has kept it quiet, the person receiving the abuse has kept it quiet. It's this, this big cycle of shame. And then what happens is for the person who was abused to find power, they either need to own what happened and do a lot of healing on their own, often unsupported or even at odds with their abuser or under, you know, um, fear or, or worse. Can I just um, a little comment there? I yeah. feel like um, what, what, forgiveness is one of those tricky things. I can love the person for them for their for their because they're a human being, but I don't have to love the act that they. Oh, do. totally. We yeah, that's a really big saying in my world because. There, there are a lot of people that I do love deeply, but I just don't like their actions sometimes, and that's okay. Um, but but to, to learn to separate the two is is definitely super necessary. And, I mean, we don't always necessarily love people who have put us through hell, and I think that in, in the case of many victims of, of serious abuse, that probably um, isn't necessarily... Um, relevant because I think some people you know they've, they've just been really really badly hurt and in the cases of institutional abuse or severe family abuse or domestic violence I mean quite often there, there is no no sort of love there um my favorite saying is I am so the people I'm actually the most grateful for well some of the people I'm, I'm, I'm who I'm definitely very grateful for are the people who have caused me the most harm because yeah. I have learned so much from those situations. I am really grateful for those people. I never want to see them again, but I'm really grateful to them. But at the same time, and I think we, we, we spoke about this um, at some stage recently, you know, we don't want to have to suffer to learn and we don't want to have generational trauma being the teacher Um and I think by bringing these sorts of things into the open, which is often what's not happening at the moment, there is that space to heal. Um, and it means that someone else doesn't have to suffer. I think if you if you got everyone in the world right now to, like you said, write a list of what they've been through um, and write a list of what they've done and stick it in their front windows or send it to their neighbour or, you know, I think we would realise that, that most people have experienced trauma, some to much huger degrees than others. Um, and I know we both um, very much agree that adversity and suffering can be some of the, the most incredible tools for growth and, and often some of the most incredible people have that as a grounding. Um, but at the same time, how nice would it be if we could just like all learn and be like, you know what, that's not really fun anymore. Let's let's stop doing that. Let's stop doing that to people. Let's stop doing that. You know, let's let's just how not. How do we stop doing it? Well, I think bringing it into the open to start with is huge, and also um, people who who do tend to be abusive. Um, I think 
really bringing them into the light because I mean if they're the power holders in the situation in societal eyes they're surely big enough to take on the responsibility of, of what's going on um, and really stand up and own what's happening in a sense um, it's all of the hiding and, and that takes people speaking up it takes takes everyone speaking up and people being able to to tell their story whichever side it is and um yeah and i think the step between being abused and becoming an abuser is that really important step that's mm. that's a really important step that needs to be addressed before people shift into being abusers and also when people who are abusive um, are found to be doing that it's also giving them the support away from the community um, where we're needed uh, to, to you know to reintegrate or to deal with whatever it is that's causing them to be like that because I believe that a lot of people can actually come through that and those that don't want to should just be kept away from society and community Absolutely, because it's not who they truly are. Their true self is not these um, this abused, beat up, aggressive, whatever. None of those things are people's true self. What we really need to get back to is connecting with ourself. And there's a few things that I think we can do um, in order to connect with our true self. So yes, we need to address the trauma and, and all of that, but if we stay too long focusing on it, we get stuck. So so there's a few things we can do to connect back with our, who we truly are, and that's we need to, you know, enhance those oxytocin levels within us. You know, laughter is the best way, I think, of, of enhancing those oxytocin levels, of making us feel good. Mm, mm. Look, and I also, I just wanted to, to just finish on that, just, you know, having having worked with and, and, you know, having seen the effects of abuse on many and the, the, the many ways it's woven into our society, I just wanted to say um, on that, you know, so it isn't um, misconstrued in any way that I think accountability is, is absolutely incredibly important um, and... And support for victims. Just, just reaffirming that point um, before we move on to something a little bit lighter. Sure. I mean, I, I thought that was all weaved right through everything we were saying, but I'm glad you really clarified it just to make sure that there was no confusion. Mm, mm. So let's so, talk about about getting back connected with ourselves. Yeah. Because, so we. So it's important to talk about the problem, but then what's the solution? And it's finding yourself and there's that there's something I, I think um, you know what's the truth because there are lots of you know um, lack of transparency and lies and miscommunication and you know what's the truth here you know how do I find my own truth um, mm. and and I'm gonna call it the smell test yeah okay so walk me through that. So that I think I know this one. Getting back to being aware of our senses, the smell test. Does it smell good, right? So just say you've got mm -hmm. food and, how, and, and just say you're out in the desert and you've got like you're starving and you're like there's some berries, there's food around. How do I know if it's poisonous or not, right? The first, the first step is to smell it. Does it smell right? Does it smell like, mm. does, there, does it have a smell that just smells wrong? Or if it has a smell, don't even touch it. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then you can like put a little bit in your mouth and you can just taste it. Does it, does it, does it have a funny taste to it? Then don't eat it. And then you can chew it in a little bit and go, okay, well, that was all right. Pass that test. I'll chew it just a tiny bit. I won't swallow it. I'm just going to chew it a little bit. And, you know, do you, does your body have a reaction to it? Do you get a bit of a headache? Do you feel like you're going to vomit or anything like that? Well, then definitely get rid of it. And then you can start eating it, right? So that's the smell test. So we can do that with words or ideas and things like that. So if someone's, if I'm reading something, I can smell it. Does that smell right? You know, I've, I've watched a video before and I've had this 
this energy just go down my nose and I almost felt like I was just going to vomit almost immediately just by watching this video. I had to turn it off quickly and that was my smell test. I went, right, that doesn't smell right. Yeah, because all of our senses are like they're there for a reason and I think if you you watch sort of dogs or cats like out sort of playing, you know, in a yard or, you know, doing their daily stuff, they use the scent of smells so often Um to really suss out what's going on around them. And, um, yeah, no, I, I very much like that one. And I think that using all of our senses is probably one of the, the things that we don't do enough now. Um, we're, we're visually quite stimulated, but we're, we're not probably using enough of the other senses, and that's a really nice way to do it. Yeah. Mm. Then we can get more connected with ourselves. So you were talking about the visual, right? So right at the start we're going... We're objectifying everybody. We're, you know, making um, superficiality heightened. So we're only using one sense. But if we can get back connected with all of our senses, then we're becoming more holistic. Very much so. Very, very much so. Um, you know, I think going going back to the topic we were on before, um, probably something I've learned in my life is that um, most people who abuse their power are really weak um, and, and I mean it took me time to learn that but I've never met a bully or a narcissistic personality or someone who's generally abusive or cruel or unkind who is actually grounded in strength um, the two just are foreign I guess um, yeah, it takes strength to be vulnerable well, yeah, yeah, and and I think it's it's sort of taking actions that that we feel give us power based on a really misaligned sense of justice, like you know walking around and punching smaller kids or something. It's it's just so inherently weak. And um, when we look at people who are doing this, it's really easy to see these big bad evil people, but. For the most part, it's just a deeply inherent weakness and uh, a front, I guess, is probably a really good one to say it. And, yeah, the dynamics of that playing out in the world right now are quite profound. Um, yeah, and I think we'll, we'll see a bit of a, a, bit of a collective backflip on, on how many people have viewed what is weak and, and what is strong in the coming months. Absolutely, I think so too. Mm. Mm. So where are we there yet? Are we there yet? Oh, that's such a good question. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Look, how long has it felt like the last six months has taken? Are they like the longest six months of the year ever? Like, was that like the longest? Well, do you know what? I was talking to some people the other day and they all said it was the quickest six months and I was like, what? No, I feel I feel like it's been like a ten year, six I months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I don't know, maybe different perspectives, but to me it's felt like a lifetime in itself. Absolutely. <laughs> and 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 we're still sitting there sort of saying, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you know like I think we we've got six more months. <laughs> Yeah, and we've just seen Melbourne shut down again, which is huge. Um, and, you know, it's that how long is a piece of string? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But also, um, what is the destination? Like, where are we actually going? Well, do we need to know? Probably you know, not. I find that people get really caught up in the destination that they don't even start. That, mm. oh, I know where I'm going, rather than just putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, one day at a time, and just taking it as it comes, you know, then you're present. But if you're too worried about where you're going, then you're not either not going to go there, or you're so focused on I've got to go there that, you know what, maybe the best place for you is over somewhere else, that we don't end mm. up getting to where we need to go. So, fuck the definition. Yeah, look. That's so true. And, I mean, I guess the Are We There Yet sort of um, resonates for me because I remember, you know, going on long trips um, as a child and just 
you sort of know that you're going somewhere and like if someone can say oh, we're going here and you're like okay I know the name of the place and and they say it's going to be 10 hours and you're like okay it's going to be 10 hours and so you have this idea in your head of, of how long it's going to take and where you're going but you don't actually know either because you're a kid and you have no concept of time and you've never been to that place before and that's how I felt in this and that's part of the excitement it's you know it, it can be frustrating at times and um, you know, not knowing exactly what the concept of that 10 hours is or, or what the name of the destination is. But it's also a really, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a little tiny sense of adventure um, in, in the not knowing, isn't there? It's going to be a surprise. I've, I've always kind of loved the not knowing. I've been a kind of a throw yourself in there and go for it kind of person. If my gut says do it, then I just go, yeah, do it. And and, and there have been times too, don't get me wrong, where I've, I've been really hesitant and I've wanted to know where I'm going. But I do find there to be this great excitement in the unknown. You know, I've, I kind of thrive in it, to be honest. Um, I love, I love just exploring and going oh it could be look you know trying things out it's kind of like um trying on a new jacket putting on a jacket and going does this one work no not that one trying on a new one does this one work no not that one and it's just a little exploration and experiment and it's creative and it's and I love all that stuff starting something new yeah absolutely and and I think it just sort of feels like that at the moment with everything and um you know, that death and rebirth cycle. Um, I think, you know, you brought up that you've been finding um, that whole, you know, a lot of people are just not wanting to, to sort of do this life anymore. And um, and that's probably where we're at. Like it's, it's, that, it's that place where we don't want to do this anymore, but we're not quite sure what we do want to do. Or, or we sort of probably have a bit of an idea, but there's no clarity, I guess, because I haven't been given enough time and thought and also agreeance to be moving in the same direction. I think another thing that we're, we're seeing a lot of at the moment is that, um, you know, that the huge amount of social divides and and that has a lot to do with the direction that we're moving in collectively because when we're all, you know, moving in our own direction, it's it's really hard to get forward movement as a whole. Um, and the amount of social divides, I mean, I think they've always existed, but do you feel that they're heightened at the moment? Definitely heightened. I don't think anyone can question that, could they? <laughs> well, I mean, what, what do you think the purpose of them being heightened is at this point? Well, if for me, I like to look on it, look at things on a much deeper level, on a more, you know, um, bigger picture kind of level. And I yes. feel like um, we need it to happen, like to bring out all of this generational trauma, um, you know, of abuse and racial discrimination and and all of that stuff. I mean, there's so much I could I could go on and on and on, but I won't. But to bring it all out, sometimes it needs to come out in a really ugly way. And sometimes, mm. you know, we like we we have had a society of perfectionism and blame. It has it has been inherent in it in the world that we live in. Just in the workplace, we've got KPIs that we've got to live up to. And if you don't, you know, there's all this blaming go and and power going on in the corporate world and. You know, all of that stuff, it's so inherent, all this blame and objectification going on in the world that um, it's coming out right now and everyone's attacking everyone because you think differently and, and you can't see the world how I see it and so that makes you a bad person. Um, but we haven't really been given a chance to really explore the world. We've kind of been told how we should see it and now everyone's starting to go, well, do I agree with what I'm being told or do I think something different? And Yeah, yeah. And that, that comes a lot to do with um, trust and who do we trust and how do we build trust and do we, um, you know, are we using our intuition or are we... Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and, and transparency, I think, um, because when there's a lot of conflicting information, you know, that, that in itself is overwhelming. Um, and it's that, that mix of going within, but also, you know, having leaders and, and guidance in the world that, that we feel are trustworthy, um, whether it's through the smell test, as you said, or or through consistent good actions that are, that are obviously working for humankind. I think that's always a handy indicator of a good leader. What about you, Kamina? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I need to see repeated, repeated good action. I can't just go, yes, you did that one good thing, um, but, mm, but character things that that aren't so good so yeah. you know, I need to I need to see change I need to see it repeating over and over not just words you know people have mm. said oh I'm going to do this but they haven't really done it they haven't taken action on it we don't want to hear the words anymore we want to see real action that's so so true and I think um also I mean change is is often a process apart from when it really sort of happens quickly, which it, it may, um, you know, accelerate at certain times. But it also comes down to all of us making ethical choices that are as informed as they can be at any given moment um, and really prioritising um, what's important and thinking, you know, what can I do today that is more aligned or how can I make a shift in the right direction that, that sort of serves my greater good and that of the collective? And it might just be looking at ethical banking or making a decision, you know, to change the way you consume. There are lots of steps that many people are taking um, that are all just, um, they're a drop in the ocean, but the ocean is, you know, filling with these little drops um, to a point that the tide will absolutely turn. Um, it's just we're in that, in that situation at the moment where, I guess people are moving, but but we haven't quite seen seen an outcome, and it, it can feel quite um, disheartening. I think at times. Um, well, I think there's that expectation thing. I think it's really unhelpful to go. Okay, I want it to happen now. You know what yeah. I I always say to people or my clients. Um, you know, is I don't believe in um. Um, affirmations I don't really think they work that well to be honest um, what I think is you know if, if, if you have a non-beneficial thought or there's a you know people are not doing kind things in the world there is everybody does not kind things in the world and yeah. and and there is a degrees of how unkind they are and it's just like well it's all we're just living in this world that's a tough world and some people, it's affecting pe some people more than others, and it's and it's having different reactions in everybody. Does does that mean that 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 person's reaction is worse than another's? No, it's just a reaction. So mm. all we do, I feel, is just come back into ourselves and go, okay, and make this statement of I am willing. So it's I am is connecting to your true self and willing. I yep. will. Action, and then you go. I am willing to say, for example, love myself, and then you always put more and more each day. So each day, I let go of expectations, and I just get a little bit better at it each day. And if we stop looking for the big changes and just noticing the little changes, and going, oh, I can see a little bit of improvement there. It's happening, and then we congratulate it and we look at the beauty around it. We're seeing the beauty rather than the destination or the or the end result. Result. we're just enjoying the journey and we're going yeah I can see this happening mm. yeah no look I, I very much agree with that and I think um, we can be proactive and absolutely um, you know take active steps towards something um, another thing that I find really helpful which is um, an exercise that I, I often um, I often share when people are feeling disempowered is is calling back our power um, and the way that I find this helpful is that without meaning to and, and you would know this um, with the energetic body we often leak energy or we have energy sucked out of us or we give our energy away and 
Um, we can do that a hundred times a day or we can repeatedly do it with the same person or the same source or the same memory. Um, and calling our power back is, is just really basically sitting with um, a feeling or a person and calling our power back and, and being aware of how much we've let go to something. And it might be our phone, it might be the school teacher who said, you know, our art wasn't what they wanted it to be. It might be someone we've broken up with. It might be a lady who was rude to us, um, you know, when we were out and about. It, it doesn't, you know, it can be many, many sources, but it's feeling into where you feel that power leaking and making a decision to call that power back and call that energy back. And in the time that we're in at the moment, I think there are a lot of places and people um, calling on our energy and we can just open our news feed and see a hundred different, um, you know, causes and, and situations and opinions calling for our power and um, it's really easy to, to accidentally sort of give that away or, or have it pulled away. So I think as much as we can be doing active things, to also really mindfully call our power back quite often um, is that. another great place to stay centred. And um, a lot of people seem to feel that in the solar plexus, which is just below the rib cage um, or the stomach. But it can be anywhere in the body and it can be from anything in our life that's bothering us. And sometimes just that awareness and consciously calling our power back is a really big step. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I feel that really deeply. I really like that exercise, and 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 I I sometimes take that exercise a little bit further. Is I I like to call back all the times that I may have um, criticised somebody or bitched mm -hmm. about somebody. I want to yes. call back those moments, and I don't I don't want to inflict that harm on that person anymore. I want to call that back too. Yeah, I, I call that returning returning power as well because exactly like you say, we can accidentally do it the other way. Um, yeah, very, very well, um, well said. I think and nice Call back your power. Yeah, absolutely. And then start making some steps consciously to the ethical choices. Um, and also, you know, the vision of, of where you want the world to be because I think they're really important elements at the moment with the shifts that are happening. Taking a look at yourself, seeping, you know, looking inward to see what's going on with you so you're not having a negative impact on the world. You're creating the positive impact. Owning our own stuff, yeah, and hand, handing, back, um, handing back what isn't ours. Yeah, you can have that. That's your stuff. I don't want it. Yeah, but I'll take this on because that actually was mine and that's mine to work with. Mm, interesting times. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Kamina. And you? I'll see and you I'll next week. See you next week. Have a good one.